We're getting closer to Christmas, and if you're anything like me, you've got a massive checklist that you are just checking off to get prepared for the holidays. I'm Matt Hotho from Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Tampa, Florida, and today we have a 13-minute message from our senior pastor, Magreta Vega, talking about how we can prepare our hearts for the Advent season and for the coming of Jesus. And he's going to be exploring this idea of anticipation and preparing through an ancient story found in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible, and it's this book, Exodus. If you want to look it up, it's Exodus 12, 1 through 14. You can Google that, or you can find a Bible in your house and just read that. You may even want to pause right now and read that story and then listen to his sermon. So thanks for joining us. It may seem odd to hear a scripture passage on the Passover during the season of Advent. We usually associate the Passover with springtime during what is, for us Christians, the season of Easter. But when it comes to being ready for the arrival of our Messiah, there's some spiritual truths that are important to discover between the Israelites in Exodus and us pilgrims in Advent. It's about being prepared and ready for the arrival of God. Back in 1904, a very pious Christian woman named Margaret Sangster, a Sunday school teacher and devotional writer, published what turned out to be a wildly popular etiquette book for Christian ladies and gentlemen. She wanted to teach polite Christians practical advice about how to behave in certain social circumstances, including how to conduct oneself at the dinner table. Her advice included, number one, do not annoy those sitting next to you by fidgeting in your chair, drumming with your fingers on the table, laughing uproariously, or playing with your bread. <laughs> Number two, do not chew your food with your mouth open. And when you are eating, do not make any of those noises associated with vulgarity. And number three, when you are eating, keep your other hand quietly on your lap, your mind composed and fastened pleasantly on the conversation. Let all of your movements be easy and deliberate. Hasty movements are the sign of a nervous disorder. Mm. Now, from this distance, we might see Mrs. Sangster, God rest her soul, as hopelessly quaint, maybe even antiquated or even irrelevant. At the very least, we might call these rules a little odd. But when you think about it, the scripture reading today has table instructions that to the outside, non-religious observer might seem a little odd too. When you come to the table, God told the Israelites, keep your belt on tight, keep your sandals on, and the staff in your hand, for you should eat in a hurry. Be ready, the Passover of the Lord, the deliverance of God is about to happen, and you don't want to miss it. How odd. But the very power of the passage is in its oddness. But what is also odd is the placement of this story in Exodus. Biblical scholars would say that these verses are the prescription for how to observe the Passover ritual. They're instructions for worship, guidelines for what to do when the community comes together when it observes the Passover now, you want to know what's odd? In the story of Exodus, these instructions are given 
before the Passover actually happens. That's not the way it usually works. Usually you have the event first, and then you have the remembrance. You're born, then you celebrate your birthday. You have the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and then you declare the July 4th holiday. You have the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, and then you have MLK Day. You have the event, and then you, but not here. Instead, here in Exodus, the Israelites are given specific instructions on how to commemorate something that hasn't yet happened, but that God guarantees will happen. And God is so sure that it will happen that you best be ready for it and don't let it catch you off guard. When we gather as a community, cinch your belt tight, keep a staff in your hand and your sandals on, be ready. Only in Christian community do we have the opportunity to practice rituals that anticipate the future. It was the case for the Israelites at Passover, and it is the case here for us. So much of what we do every Sunday is in remembrance and celebration of something that hasn't even happened yet. Faith is about celebrating things that will happen down the road. And that's what the season of Advent is all about. It's not simply about going through the comforting traditions of home decorations and gift buying and planning family gatherings. It is about making spiritual preparations in our hearts and minds so that we can welcome Christ as a guest into our lives. We make those preparations through the prayers of our Advent liturgy, by joining together in worship, by engaging in acts of service and mercy for each other, and by creating time each day to pray and read scripture and ponder the coming presence of Jesus. Now, all these themes are present in the hymn, People Look East, our latest stop on our journey through our worship series called Songs for the Waiting. The title alone is evocative. Looking East anticipates the future. It's where you turn to see the sun rise and watch the coming of a new day. It's why the fourth century theologian Saint Basil taught that when we pray, we should face eastward. And facing east when you pray became one of the ancient practices of the church and many non-Christian religions. Matthew's gospel says in chapter 24 that just as lightning flashes from the east, so will Jesus appear. So the idea of looking east is all about orienting our lives and our behavior to celebrate an event that is soon to happen. So each of the four verses in this hymn gives us a helpful metaphor for how to be spiritually prepared for the arrival of Jesus on Christmas. And I wonder which of these four might speak most meaningfully to you. In verse 1, there's the metaphor of a dinner guest you're excited to welcome into your home. The verse says, make your house fair as you are able. Trim the hearth and set the table. Love, the guest, is on the way. Have you ever spent days getting things ready for company to come to your house? That is the kind of excitement and energy you should have spiritually to prepare for Jesus this Christmas. In verse 2, there's the metaphor of a seed that you've planted waiting for it to bloom. 
The verse says, furrows be glad, give up your strength in the seed to nourish, that in the course the flower may flourish. Love, the rose, is on the way. You ever cared for a flower or plant in anticipation for the bloom or the harvest? That's the kind of diligent, careful practice that you should have spiritually to prepare for Jesus this Christmas. In verse 3, there's the metaphor of watching for the stars to shine. The verse says, stars keep the watch when night is dim. One more light, the bowl shall brim. Love, the star is on the way. You ever gone outside and looked into the night sky to look for something special to happen out in space? Like an eclipse or a planet to appear or a satellite to go by or a rocket to launch. That's the kind of wonder and expectation that you should have spiritually to prepare for Jesus this Christmas. Finally, in verse 4, there's the metaphor of nature in all of its glory and splendor pointing us to something beyond ourselves. The verse says, set every peak and valley humming with the word. The Lord is coming. Love, the Lord is on the way. You ever made an intentional trip to spend a prolonged amount of time out in nature? Maybe a long hike up a mountain or along a coastal beach or into a national park. Did you ever feel enveloped by the brimming energy of nature all around you, drawing you into something larger than yourself. That's the kind of pursuit of intentional, quiet inspiration that you should have to spiritually prepare for Jesus this Christmas. So which of these four metaphors might help you celebrate the arrival of God's presence in your life this Christmas? Preparing for company to join you for dinner? Planting a seed and waiting for it to bloom? looking up in wonder at the night sky for something amazing to behold, going out in nature and being awestruck by creation. I invite you to claim one of those four images and make it your guide over these remaining weeks. Advent is all about preparations, not just the ones we make in our homes, but in our hearts. It's about observing the rhythms and rituals that will prepare us for the arrival of Jesus. And to strengthen a faith that we might not yet fully understand or fully have. But we continue to prepare by joining in worship through steadfast prayer and scripture meditation and by learning the language of the faith. Many years ago, when my daughters were much younger, I was at home one night with the family as we were preparing our evening supper. Over the sounds of pots and pans and running water, I heard faintly in the background our older daughter, Grace, murmuring something that I could barely make out. She was saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I was sort of astonished that she was reciting the Apostles' Creed. She was just a little girl at the time. And I wondered, where had she learned that? Neither her mother or I were trying to get her to memorize it at the time. We weren't trying to teach it to her. So where did she learn it from? Well, from the church, of course. Every single Sunday, sitting there in worship, hearing the congregation say it, she picked it up by listening to worshipers like us. And did she know what it meant fully? No, not at that time. Instead, she learned to memorize it and say it because eventually, somewhere in the future, 
there would come a time when she would be able to figure out what it claims and assume the faith fully for herself, which she eventually did at the time of her confirmation. That is what constitutes so much of what happens when we gather together, when we say the Apostles' Creed, we hold on to these words in sacred trust as a, as a holy connection and lean into them in the belief that their truths will be fully realized in our lives. When we share in the reading of scripture, we allow its messages to sink deep into our souls for such a time as its time-released power is ready to be discharged. When we pray with one another, we do so in faith, knowing that our very act of prayer is reaching out into the unknown and its consequences will be revealed somehow in the future. And when we come together during these weeks of Advent, we do so in hope, knowing that with each passing day and every passing week, we fix our gaze eastward and anticipate the arrival of Jesus in our hearts and our lives once again. Let us pray. God, thank you for the promise of your presence and power. Guide our preparations that we might be fully open to who you are amid all of our busyness and stress and amid the brokenness of this world. Fill us with a sense of hope and expectation and diligent obedience as we look east for the birth of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We hope you found this message inspirational, insightful, maybe even thought-provoking. And if you're wondering what a next step is that you can take, you can go to hydeparkumc.org forward slash next steps, where you'll find opportunities to join a small group, join us for worship, or serve in our community. We also have reflection questions for these sermons that can help you take the message further or ponder it throughout the week. Feel free to screenshot these reflection questions, share them with a friend, share this message with a friend, and be sure to like and subscribe our YouTube page. Thanks for watching.